G'day everyone, welcome to Mark and Cars Porsche Talk, the podcast where we talk about all things Porsche. If you love air-cooled, water-cooled, rear engine, front engine, or even mid-engine, there'll be something here for you. But most importantly, we'll talk to the people who are passionate about Porsche. I'm your host, Mark, from the YouTube channel, Mark and Cars. Thank you for taking the time to listen or watch, and feel free to share any input, suggestions, and ideas through comments, reviews, or just message me. You'll find me on most social media platforms as Mark and Cars. Special thank you today for the podcast sponsor, summon.com.au. They are a full car concierge service, and if you need to sell your car, you need to talk to them. Check them out at summon.com.au. Well, we've got quite a special guest, like all our guests are special anyway on Porsche Talk, but Ron Goodman from Exclusive Body Works in Sydney, town of lockdown this week, but He's a bit of a legend in the Porsche community with historic racing and enthusiasm for the brand in general. Really appreciate you taking the time out of your day-to-day, Ron, to talk to us. Mate, I appreciate you even wanting me on your show. That's that's very humbling. You know, like it's, it's been a long time to try and put this together. You know, like <laughs> it group, has, group. but it's, it's always the case when you're dealing with busy people. Oh, I don't know about that. I think it's just wrong times and we finally got to put together and now with COVID, it's probably mm-hmm. helped us because I'm not, not as busy as normal. Yeah, Plus I'm yeah. in the country, you know, so that's a big thing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so for the people who are listening or watching this on YouTube video, give us a little bit of a background, Ron. How did you get into the Porsche brand? Where has that started for you? Like anybody that's um, connected with Porsche, you you just love it from the first time you see them. Um, One thing about Porsche that I found that each year you get a new model, you think they can't get any better, and then they just pop a better one out of the bag. It's it's the ultimate car. As I say to people, you can go take your kid to school in the morning, go to the racetrack for the day, pick up the groceries on the way home, then go to the ballet at night, all in the same car. Do that in any other brand. You just can't do it, yeah? You're right Um, about that. I've just had such an affair with them and I find that the precision when they're made, it suits me right down to the ground for the repairs. You know, I like things to be perfect. Uh, I've been known to be a little bit over the top sometimes with it, but Porsche's right down my brand for that. That's how they come straight from the factory. So I've, I've always done them from probably about 19, I think was my first one, and I'm like 62 now. So I've had at least one in the garage every time. So Great. I can... Well, if anybody's not watching this on video, they're only listening to the podcast. Ron, you got some pretty interesting cars parked behind you there. I can think I can see a nine fourteen. Is that like a nine oh six body or something up on a on a pedestal? Yeah, that that's a copy of my other nine oh six. We actually flopped the body off of it, yeah, uh, and we made it out of raw fiberglass, and then we've lit it up from underneath like the factory has, so that when you're over here, you can just see how thin the uh, panels were on those cars. Sure, sure. Look, it looks amazing. You know, you don't see cars shaped like that in the background of conversations with people very often. I can assure you of that. The, oh. and what about the nine fourteen? That's a nice looking car. I'm a bit of a yeah. No one, that one's a nine one four with a turbocharger, oh, okay. water cooled and injected. Uh, it's a pretty quick little car. It's got around six hundred horsepower. Um, and then we've just got the nine one four six on the hoist up there that we've just bought a. Um, I rock engine for them. We put that one in it. So <laughs> that's that's a couple of uh, pretty handy little nine fourteens that'll be getting around. There's no doubt about that. That's yeah, a like uh, that's a big horsepower number coming out of a nine fourteen. That six hundred horsepower. Like there, yeah. 
I think even the GT cars back in the day would have only been about two, 220 horsepower or something, wouldn't they? The ones that won Le Mans that year? Yeah, but this has got the um, extra added value of a hairdryer hanging off of it, so that helps. Yeah, so. for sure, sure. <laughs> we had, I had an interesting conversation with a, uh, a fellow Porsche enthusiast about the impact of, you know, the big snails getting bolted onto motors in general right across the board, regardless of your brand preference and what it's doing to, you know, the driving experience. So it was, it was fascinating, you know. Yeah, but Porsche have won Le Mans with turbos. Yeah, so, you know, turbos apart. Yeah, you, know, you look at a K35, you know, and that's, that's my ultimate car to have one yeah, of those. Okay. Yeah. Whether I'd ever drive it to its um, capabilities, probably not. Probably yeah. not in that category of Porsche of the drop the kids off to school, go to the track, pick up the groceries, oh, then no. the ballet, though. <laughs> <laughs> No, definitely not. I'd like to try that. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, get climbing around still, that cage would be pretty uncomfortable. Pardon, what was that? Uh, climbing around the cage of, of the 906 is uncomfortable. I, I don't know how those guys drove it down Mulsanne Strait after 24 hours late at night. No, I, I'm, I'm afraid that's not my cup of tea. I like going fast, but that's uh, a little bit out of my league. Horrifying, you think? Yeah, yeah. I'd take my hat off to those guys. Yeah, I uh, yeah, not so long ago. Not so long ago, I had the opportunity as a passenger in a uh, nine seventeen tribute car. Yeah, and you know its size. You know the cars are the size. If you got a matchbox car as a kid, they're not much bigger than that in real life, right? Yeah. So the um, it was a tiny car, and you know that massive engine behind you making all that noise, and I'm sure it's, it's exactly the same in your nine oh six, where everything's that thin and you know vintage. Those cars doing, like you said, you know, the better part of 200 mile an hour in the dark. Yeah. No LED lights back then, right? Yeah, <laughs> and, candles, you know, yeah, just, them, those drivers, they were, I'm sure they would have had to have been uh, well medicated or highly caffeinated, one of the two. Yeah, absolutely. Right. First time I ever drove this one, we were doing a um, race meeting at Eastern Creek, and it was actually for Rensport, I think, and we had to take it into Eastern Creek at night time. And we drove down Eastern Creek and then down through the tunnel. Sure. And that's when I first had the um, the thoughts that, mate, there's no way in a million years that you would get me driving this fast at Mulsanne Strait. I went down Mulsanne Strait in a helicopter and that was bad enough. I don't know how they do it in the cars, <laughs> but that was bad. Really like, yep. Yeah, that's right. Went back in the heyday when they really broke those speed records back then, it's just, yeah, yep. it used to be horrifying. The yep. um, So with racing, I was like a lot of, three, five, six enthusiasts, vintage car enthusiasts, or even, you know, anyone that's interested in motorsport in Australia, they very would have likely seen the film that was made about you, The Road to Monterey, and the that video or film that was put together, that production. Fantastic. I loved it, you know. Thank I'm you, sure particularly a sympathiser because of the three, five, six aspect myself. But yeah. the um, tell us, how, how did that all come about? How did – obviously, you've been to Monterey a couple of times – and, um, you know, what, what was the idea behind the film getting made? Was it put to you as a proposal? Did you put it together? What, how did that all come about? Actually, uh, good friends of mine, Paolo and Rob, we were just going to film something short to put on YouTube about how good our little 356 is when we race it and everything else. Yep. And the car ended up, the first time we went over to Monterey, the car got lost in New Zealand. They took the car off the container and the ship left and left it behind. <sighs> So it had to get loaded up and put onto a plane to get over there in time. And then so the following year we thought, hey, 
let's put it together and let's reenact the whole thing happening, you know, like as if it's got lost again. That way we can sort of diatize exactly what happened. Sure. And I'll never forget, I rang Rob um, one morning and I said to him, oh, Rob, the car's been offloaded in New Zealand and it's gone. He goes, no, we're not filming, Ron, you don't need to, to put it on. So no, I hate joking, it's happened again. It literally <laughs> happened two years in a row. Yeah. And what we yeah. found out is that I was getting charged for a direct route from Sydney to San Francisco and it was going via Fiji or via New Zealand. They take it off and then bunny hop it onto another ship so it would be cheaper for them. But what was happening when it got taken off, they forgot to put it back on the next ship. The ship took off the other So it's, it's had probably more frequent flyers than some of the guys on my crew. I can you imagine. Know, like, because we've been <laughs> flying around so much, you know. <laughs> yep. And the, um, the actual experience of driving at the historics here, I can imagine, must be second to none if you're into that type of oh, motor racing. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, yeah surround, and, surround and to win... The last, the last meeting we were there, we won the, every race that we went in and we even beat Patrick Long, the Porsche factory driver. So that sort of um, really put the icing on the cake for me and the guys. Yeah, Gary does a hard job putting my engines together. Uh, I'm hard on the equipment. I like it to go fast and he's got to the way that I like it now. Um, we're revving that poor little engine to eight, eight and a half thousand RPM. Yeah, okay. For uh, any non 356 enthusiasts or people who know about them, that is a high number. When that car left the factory, it probably had about a 4,500 RPM redline. So, but with all the modern internals and everything I can imagine must be going on inside there, is it still that car looking at the body shape? Is that a 1,300 or a 1,500? Where's, where's that? Six, 1,600. It was 1,500, 1600, is it? 1,600. We're allowed to run 1,600 in them. Ah, okay. The, the rules, you're allowed to go over X amount. Mm-hmm. And we're a real stickler for the rules because I don't know if you know, the last time we took that out to Bathurst, uh, we'd never been to Bathurst before and we only ended up getting four laps in the race and two laps in practice because we had problems with our um, transaxle. But we ended up breaking the lap record by 33 seconds. 33. Is, is, that for the, is that for the engine size lap record? Is that what you're talking about there? Yeah, for its class, for SA, like Group SA. Yeah. So it's officially now the fastest 356 to ever lap Bathurst, so we're pretty happy with that. So. I can imagine. I, 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 don't, I get the impression if you've only done that many laps there in that car, that's a, uh, a task that's been left unfinished. Oh, absolutely. We get it down even more. I'm the first to admit I kept getting lost. I, I, I take my hat off to the guys that race around there. Like, I, I'd hit the brakes for a corner, I'd go, damn, I could have went another 50 foot before I hit the brakes, but you've just got to learn that track. When they say about it, and it is heartbreaking because we broke so many things up there in a few days, you know, like we just weren't prepared for, sure. for the battle that we had to take on up there. Mm-hmm. I, I imagine knowing what it's done to the car, you know, with regards to the uh, damage and things like that, it must really um, give you a lot of respect for how those cars at race, you know, week in, week out and bash themselves right. up on those types of tracks, you know. Absolutely, mate. And when you watch Bathurst on TV and you see all the heartbreak, you can understand it now, you know, like <laughs> you, all the effort that goes into it. We're just running like an old historic car compared to them guys, you know. Um, but with our engines rev- revving to 8,000, if you ever get to come up here in this little area where we keep the cars, it's littered with a lot of engine blocks. Okay. <laughs> That's our learning curve, we call it. <laughs> <laughs> well, is, is, they go through, have you, have you got them like in a uh, date order? 
this is when we did this, the motor, this is when we changed to the rods, this is when we did, you know, a different crank and that sort of thing. Have you got that sort of history going on there? No, nah, the shop's not big enough. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we've, had a, we've had a fair few failures, but it's like anything. If you're going to stretch it to the limit and stick within the rules, you're going to have failures, you know. Those blocks aren't getting any cheaper either, Ron. No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, so, so, at all. Yeah, so uh, yeah, destroying them is probably making the sport more and more expensive for all of us sort of trying to get into it. Yeah, but we've got a bit of a backlog. What I've done over the years, every time I go to America. And Bring back half a dozen. Have, yeah, 10 or 12 blocks. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's a great idea. If, if there's anywhere you're going to get them, that'll be the place. Oh, bloody oath. There's heaps of them over there, mm-hmm. heaps of blocks over in America. And the uh, your experience on racing the 356 in the States. Tell me, on the Road to Monterey uh, film, you spent a lot of time with uh, Vic Skirmance there. So the guy's, you know, a guru of 356 engines in the USA. You you bring a lot of the experience and um, that type of thing back after working with him or your engine guy, does he liaise with Vic? And has there been an evolution from both parties and you end up in the same place? How does that all come about? I think it started out that way and then a bit of um, rivalry come in a bit and secrets were kept in both camps. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> we are racing against each other. Yes, correct. Yeah, and, and Gary now has sort of streamlined our engine so it's um, reliable now and we can get longevity out of it. So we're doing pretty good. We, we've just designed some new parts for it mm-hmm. and we're waiting to go and try them. But unfortunately, we just can't get to the track at the moment. So, what's the um? What is the weak point? Is there a consistent weak point in those motors for you? The block. Yeah. Okay. The block. Yeah. Yeah, and it's very, very fine where the cam comes next to the rods, and all you got to be is a little tiny bit out there, and poof. It's all yeah. Right. Once they touch, you got some big problems there, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. It's, yeah, we're oh, trying so, different. Yeah, because I have read about a lot people using different size. Big end journals and yep. all that journals stuff. and all the rods and everything else. Yeah, yeah. We've just gone into um, with that new car. We're building the radial engine car. We've printed a Inconel exhaust system for it, which is unbelievable because we use Inconel exhaust on my race car to keep the weight down. Sure. And they've just come up now with we're going to actually print Inconel valves, but hollow. So we should be able to get a bit more weight out of the drivetrain, yeah? Wowza. Yeah, okay. So you, you've just brought up the radial engine. Let's talk about yeah. that. What is it? What's it going into? That type of thing. I actually do know, but I want to share that with the listeners of the podcast or watchers of the video here. We, we decided to build something completely different. So we built a 356B and it's got a lot of modifications on it, but only subtle modifications. Uh, and it's a three-cylinder aeroplane engine with – this special injection on it, all Australian made, the guys at Radial Motion down in uh, South Australia. And if you've ever, you should go and have a look at their website, but if you ever see that um, show Peabody, you know, the little professor, that's what these guys are like, mate. So intelligent, so amazingly. I wouldn't call myself the dumbest person in the shed, but when I sat at the table with these guys. You felt like him. Yeah, Yeah, I felt like the dumbest (laughs) person. I didn't didn't want to open my mouth and sound like that, 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 you know. But uh, very intelligent people. Yeah, so for those that are unaware, radial engine has the cylinders facing out from a central <laughs> crank, for want Correct. of a better term. Yes. yes. Yep. Tell, tell me, does on the aircraft, 
designs of radial traditionally. They don't run a flywheel. It's just the momentum of the pistons rotating. Is that still the case with this type of thing? Or are you unsure? No, we, we, no, we run a flywheel because you've yep. got to be able to start it, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if aircraft do. I, I don't know much so about aircraft. So you don't have someone out the back flicking the propeller or anything like that? Of the- I've already been asked. Somebody sent me a pic, uh, sent me a message on Instagram when we put it up and said, where's the propeller going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had to put it at the back. I've no, I've no doubt you would have seen in the last 10 years or so, there's a Beetle in Mexico that's got a great big radial, like 16-cylinder engine in it. Have you seen no, that? No, I've seen that. Yeah, no. It's an aircraft engine, right, with a propeller, yeah. you know, and that <laughs> it is a propeller that drives the Beetle, yeah. you know. So it's a, I'll, I'll, what I'll do is I'll find the video of it and send it through to you because it's it's pretty entertaining, you know, that, as, a, as, awesome. as a pun on what you're achieving here. Does it, is the engine going to bolt straight up to the existing swing axle transmission? Correct. Is that the plan? Yes. That's the way that they've designed it all. Mm-hmm. And it's typical Australian type stuff. Like I love using Australian wherever I can. Sure. And I always find that when you use Australian companies, they'll under-promise and over-deliver. Other parts of the world, they'll always talk, 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 and then under-deliver. But these Aussie guys are just amazing. You know, everything that they've said that they're going to do, they've done over and above, um, even to the extent of it'll probably be close to 10,000 RPM that we could read this to. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. You thought eight thousand was horrifying in your in your race yeah. car. You imagine what, and this I can imagine this is going to be some form of street car as well, is it? It is fully street registered. The only thing that we've done, we have Albans make all our gears for our transmissions. Sure. So we've made a special set of gears for this one. It'll probably only do 150, 160 k's an hour, but it's going to sound like a motorbike getting there. Like yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> so that's the way we've designed it to be different. Yeah, yeah fantastic. The um, Just thinking about the, pro, the process in my head, radial engine, cylinders coming. How many cylinders? Three. Three cylinders? Yep. So I there's imagine two, there's two at the bottom, one at the top. Split. How does yep. it go for a clearance if the centre of the motor's got to be for the ground clearance? It's got heaps of ground clearance. It's already oh, really? in the car. If you look on our Instagram, I've got some pictures of the rear of it. Okay. And it's got heaps of ground clearance. What We've capacity? even cut the back of the car up to see it. Yeah, okay. What capacity is it? Two litre. Yeah, okay. Yep, so 66 per cylinder. Some weird number that they've worked out per sure, sure. cylinder. Yeah, okay. I can't wait to see it and hear it. You know, it's... Be amazing. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> Even the injection, they've made special injection for it. Okay. And they come up with this idea. Um, it's got nitrous on it as well. Of course it does. Yeah, you have to have nitrous on it. But on the dash, you know how you have three gauges for your, um, for your car? The left-hand gauge is an altimeter, but then the other two gauges are actually digital computerised. Okay. So I can have the analog-looking one or I can flip it over and have it to the um, modern aeroplane-type look. Yeah, well, it's going oh, to be pretty interesting to see. I'm going to be fascinated to um, – are you going to get a special taco made up for this? The goes it's all, all part, 12,000 RPM? It's all part of the um, computer oh. I saw. Oh, okay, fantastic. Because it's yeah. all run by MoTeC. Oh, so it's like an LCD-style screen. Is that what you're talking about? Got yeah, it. but that's yeah. behind the, the normal – round face yeah okay so we can have the analog face in that hole yes or we're going to have the modern version of it got it got it i'm with you now yep sure and there's absolutely no switches on the dash they're all on the steering wheel okay just like a formula one car yeah yeah okay and is is it going to be like that 
I don't know, like a cross between a a modern take on an older car, or is it going to be like are you going to have like aircraft style switches on there, or is it going to be no actually switches. a modern F one style steering wheel? What are you thinking there? No, no, the steering wheel I machine the whole thing myself. Okay, so it's out of billet aluminium, and it's all machined. It's pretty cool, mate. Okay. Cool. Sounds like it could be a little bit steampunk. It's going to be interesting to see what the outcome is here. That's exactly what we've gone for. That's the even the fuel lines in the back because everything's aluminium in the front and the back. Mm-hmm. Even the floors are polished aluminium. Oh, but really? all the lines we've done in brass and copper polished like the steampunk look. Yeah, okay. Right yeah, on the head. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. The um, I'm surprised you didn't go for uh, roof-mounted switches. That was our first thing, believe it or not, but we didn't like it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it just sure. didn't look right, so we thought, nah, how do we get rid of the switches completely? And then I actually got the idea from the new Porsche 935, the steering wheel that comes out of that, the new one. Yes, okay, yep. That's all carbon and everything else, but, uh, but I made mine out of billet aluminium. Yeah, okay. yeah, it should be fascinating. Yeah, like I said, looking forward to seeing it. I did see a pretty interesting, um, was it injection-moulded plastic or machine door handle that was drilled out in clear? Did I see that on a post somewhere? Is that on that yeah, car? Yeah, that's on that car. What I done was I actually made the door handles. We 3D scanned an original one, and then we machined them out of Lexan. Oh, so you yeah. can actually, when you push the button, you can see the spring go down. You can see the whole door handle work. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. It looks really good. Yeah, good one. Yeah, like, yeah, sounds amazing, the whole project. Um, tell us about your 906. Yeah, we built this one from scratch. Okay. Uh, the guys in Melbourne built the chassis. They built the body for it. They started to put it together, but then we went and got all the original parts and finished putting it together ourselves. Because um, when we first took it out, it wanted to throw us into the wall. Every time we drove it, it just wanted to throw us into the wall. There was, there was a few hiccups uh, in the design when they made the chassis. So we just changed a few bits and pieces on it. And now it's a weapon on the track. Is is I'm not overly familiar with the underpinnings of a 906. Yep. Historically, if I recall, two litre, six cylinder motor. Yeah, 2.4, 2.4 litre. 2.4, is it? Yep. yep. Okay. Um, is it use a a, um, a torsion bar suspension or is it full coilover? Coil, coilover suspension. Yep. And it's I, I do know they're mid-engine, but is it run a, like a five-speed gearbox? Is that the? Correct, okay. yes. Yeah, okay. Yep. So it's pretty much all the 911. I was just going to say 911 of the day, basically in a small space frame, sure. which is like, I'm talking small. Yeah. Um, when we were doing the research on them, the original ones had the oil running through the through the space frame. Ah, oh, similar to 917. 917 is the Correct, same yeah. thing, yeah. But it got uh, too hot for the drivers. Yeah, I can imagine, yeah. the um, Every time I see a 906 in a, a photo, I've never seen one in real life up close. Yeah. You know? The um, I'm always impressed by the size of those, what those front guards must look like sitting in the um, driver's seat, you know, with how high they seem to sit with the mirrors on top of them and stuff like that. But it's just such an amazing look, you know. It's beautiful. And, you, and you're nearly laying down to drive it because, you know, if you're a shorter guy would be all right, but a bit taller, we had to take the seat, use a non-original seat, make um, an aluminium one. I sit on the wooden floorboard sure. and we just patted it. Otherwise, it just didn't fit in with the helmet. Yeah, okay. that's why you see a lot of them. They take the windows out of them, the door glass, so that the helmet can stick out the the top a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, geez, that's amazing. <laughs> and yeah. the uh, how'd you go getting a windscreen for a car like that? They make them. Siegler still make them. Really? Yep. Okay. The um, yeah, genuine Siegler windscreen. 
because it looks like the sort of thing that looks it belongs in an aircraft. Yeah, the windscreen does, the doors do, the the back perspex. Um, there's a guy in Melbourne there that makes all that perspex stuff. Sure, unbelievable job he does. Really, really good. And it just uses well, all the um, 911 of the time, or a, a version, souped up version of the um, brakes and everything. All those components. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because if I recall, they all had, they had steel wheels on them as well, didn't they? The um, no, sorry. Did they use steel wheels or was that 904? I'm steel with aluminium. These wheels here, we sent them over to um, Boyd Connicton's. Yep. And they made them out of full billet aluminium for us. Same as we changed the front uprights and we made that out of titanium, uh, more for safety. Sure. It's exactly the same, but, you know, like as these cars get older, I don't want to be going around a corner or something, something break. So we've changed a lot of it to modern stuff. Oh, sorry. Old technology, uh, old stuff, but new technology making them. Yeah, sure. Well, you get, you're probably using modern rubber, so that that, that yeah. in itself will put an amazing amount of stress on that on a uh, yeah. chassis of cars that well, age, a, won't they? There's a tech head in California building one, and we've um, <coughs> helped him out immensely. He bought one of the chassis as well, okay. and he said his team just can't get it going. And when we sent him all the stuff that we'd done, uh, Boz and Jack actually made the uprights for us here in Sydney. Okay. When he when we sent him all the stuff that we'd done, he was over the moon. It made the the difference to him straight away. He said, "Oh, great, yeah." I did I did see there's a company in I think um, Brazil or Argentina making race nine oh six replicas yes. or tribute cars. We we've had a look at those. It's a little bit to be desired for. Yeah. Well, look, especially knowing what you know now after going through, I've gone through to get yours to work yeah. the way you want it to. You know what you're looking at. I, th- I think a lot of people sort of build these two bar- as jewellery or as sure. something that just looks good in the garage or something you can take out for a drive. Mm-hmm. Um, no, we wanted to be able to go fast in it. You know, like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and, um, and so it sounds like you good part playing. about when, sorry, the good part yeah. about these when you take them on the track is that nobody wants to run into you. So yeah. <laughs> I, it's the exact same as when I was at Monterey, we were overtaking a um, – Ferrari, you know those $38 million ones? Oh, the Daytonas, yeah. Yeah, and my guys actually said if I were to run into it, I'd be in the wrong no matter what. You know, yeah. <laughs> like it's literally, as the same, do you know Brian Redman? Yes. He was in an RSK, that's a pretty priceless car. Yes. Uh, we were coming into the last corner for the start at Rensport and it conga lined up and I just tapped him in the back. And as I went past him down the straight, all I could think of was, because it was a dead <laughs> size of this. So anyway, it's a we're pretty talking special to the shape that the back of that RSK too, isn't it? With those grills and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I actually we went up to say yeah sorry, and he goes ah it happened. It was a conga line. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. everyone broke and didn't yeah. get it. Yeah. And anyway, he signed the um, the uh, program for a mate of mine, and he goes thank your Aussie mate for the bump in the rear. Yeah, that's Brian <laughs> Redman. So he's kept that book forever. Yeah, that's my only claim to fame. He's running I can imagine. back to Brian Redman. <laughs> it's interesting you bring you bring up that topic about motor racing, extremely expensive motor cars, you know, like you said, the yeah. RSK and the um, and the Daytona that mentioned earlier. I actually had a discussion with a owner that races a Daytona in the UK. There's quite a yeah. number of them. There's like 19 of them that get raced very regularly over there. Yeah. And like to give you an idea, they aren't. They're not thirty-eight million dollar cars anymore. They're close to a hundred million dollar cars these yep, days, yep. right? So they're incredibly valuable. But what he said 
you know, because I, I was like, you know, oh, God, you don't want to go near the thing. What, what if I touch it, you know? But he said, look, the value in this car isn't. You can't write them off. It's not possible. You know? <laughs> like that RSK, that tap yeah. in the back of it, what's going to cost a guy? Fifteen, twenty thousand dollars to fix, right? Yep. On a car that's worth what five million dollars, it's yep. You couldn't yep. do enough damage to the car for it not to be worthwhile fixing. Yeah, the only bummer I'd done with that was not take a picture of it because I could have had it up here now saying I done that. Yeah. <laughs> At the or time, even we better, didn't want even better he had to get the back. He had to get the black ca- clamshell replaced. Can you have the old one? <laughs> that would have been. Nice. <laughs> uh, I don't think I would have had the guts to go up and ask the owner for that. Mate. <laughs> uh, oh look, the. The, the, everyone's got their own preferred tastes and likes in the uh, range of Porsches, but there are very few cars like that RSK that we spoke, we're talking about here that's got a better-looking front and a worse-looking rear. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they always look like they're a bit jacked up at the back, hey? Yeah, but the well, front like is just been hit by beautiful me already. with that curved shape on it and stuff like that. But anyway, that's my two cents on it. The um, Have I seen... Um, images in magazines of your race car being um, driven in an ice rink? Yeah. We had a game of hockey on the ice rink. How would you go and for your tyres? Did you get some studded tyres or something on it? Yeah, I got them out of the guy in Melbourne. He sent yeah. them up to me. And we um, decided to have a game of hockey against the hockey team. Sure. That's coming. We're doing a follow-up to the road to Monterey, but just time, putting it all together. Yeah, sure. Um we actually had the game. We scored goals the whole lot. <laughs> it was awesome fun. And it was it funny because the car was sliding in towards the goalpost. And I thought those goalposts, you know, the, you see the hockey players hit them all the time. I thought it's going to be made of purse, um, pipe or something like that. Yeah. No, they're solid. It yeah. put a big dent in the back quarter panel. <laughs> they're solid, mate. Yeah, I reckon you would have generated yourself a bit of work after that event then. Just just that one dent. That's it. Yeah, okay. That's all. And, um, no. No other walls. As as a, as a as an ice skater myself, I enjoy going ice skating with my daughter. You know, and um, yeah. I can't imagine skating on the ice after your set of tires being ripped into pieces would have been that nice for the skaters. No, we the we waited to the end of the night, then they left it open for us. So, mate, they were the Macquarie Ice Rink was so accommodating. They literally stayed open there. We were there for probably three hours oh, yeah, after okay. closing time. So yeah, yeah it was really, really 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 good of them. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the video footage of it. I'm sure it's going to be good fun. Yeah, that one, and we've got, we've got something else happening with the 906 and 356 through Sydney, but it's just a matter of um, time. Just and with COVID, we can't do nothing. You know, it's a bit hard to do anything at the moment. So. Although now would be a really good time to do it with no one else out on the roads, wouldn't it? No, yeah, better with the traffic. Speed at about 170 kilometres an hour. Yeah, we done that in the NASCAR many many years ago. Oh, okay. We drove over the Harbour Bridge in it for Melanoma Awareness Day, which they tagged as Mad Day. So we met at North Sydney Football Oval. Sure. And I'll never forget the Highway Patrol that was giving us the guide through there. He said, these things don't like to go slow, do they? And I said, no, 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 that's, they're okay. And he goes, no, 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 no. These things don't like to go slow, do they? Oh, no, they don't. <laughs> 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 over the Harbour Bridge, it was unbelievable. Mate. I can imagine. Under lights and sirens in the NASCAR over the Harbour Bridge. It was pretty cool. Yeah, good fun. fun. Yeah. Yep. The, um, we don't get too many of those types of uh, events or opportunities here in Perth. Like, I, don't, we don't, I don't see those type, that type of thing. And that, that could be a thing of just years gone by anyway. I don't know if those types of um, outcomes or events happen still today like you know you mentioned the nascar 
it must be 25 years since NASCAR was even yes. raced in Australia, mustn't yeah. it? Yeah, long time ago. Yeah, long sure. Ago. Yeah, I think it was 95. I think I had the big crash in 95, so it would have been 94, 95. Yeah, okay. Your big, the big crash in the NASCAR? Yeah, yeah, we hit the wall pretty hard. It exploded. First time they had nighttime meeting up there and I lit the place up, so... And we even kicked the AFL off the back page, so we done right? pretty good. That's a big deal, yeah. The um, yeah. well, the important thing is you're here to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, got a bit tore up, but yeah, that's life. Yeah. What's the uh, what with the uh, with all the progress you got going on with the Porsches at the moment? What do you daily drive? I got a uh, 2020 KN GTS. Oh, nice one. Mm-hmm. Oh, amazing car! Right? Amazing car. Sure. Uh, twin turbo V8. Yep. And whatever they've done to the suspension from the last one, it just turns in so well. I had five people in the car, five of us in the car at Ludnam Raceway, and it was like driving a, a 911 around there. Don't tell 911 owners that. You'll devastate them. <laughs> well, as the first KN I ever bought was when they first come out, and I'll never forget I drove in uh, – sorry, I flew in to Sydney, and I went to pick it up at uh, Porsche Centre Sydney South. And Michael Atchison was the sales manager. I got the car, got in there, drove out, down the street, down the road a bit. I rang him up and said, mate, this thing's shit. I hate him. Mm-hmm. Get rid of it. You know, like yep. trade it back, find me a 911. Mm-hmm. And he says, I'll do you a favour. He said, drive it for a month, drive it like a 911, and if you still want to get rid of it, I'll buy it back for the same price. I'm on my fifth KN now. Yeah, so. I was about to say, you can't have a, you can't have a yeah. <laughs> good salesman. You, you can't beat them, mate. They're beautiful car. Mm-hmm. Beautiful car. The, um, I think I was just trying to drive like an old four-wheel drive and I shouldn't have been. Yeah, sure. Yep. They're, um, they're not very sympathetic cars to uh, once they get a bit older when it comes to your repair costs. No. That's why I go through so many. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Don't keep them outside a warranty period, you reckon? No, no. Just trade them in and get a new one. Trade them in and get a new one. Yeah, yeah, because I'd I'd be horrified to know what a set of tyres costs on a 2020 KN GDS, you know. A couple of dollars. Yeah, I imagine. A, a lot of race tyres for that sort of money, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd probably go through more on my KN than I do on the 356 in a year, yeah. Yeah, you probably do. Does the, um, with your 356 race car, does it, how often do you actually get it out how often does it sit and get on the track at the moment? I, I've got a couple. I've got the coupe and the cabrio. Yeah, okay. Um, we try and take them both out to race meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, we do probably more days at Ludnam Racetrack now, and that's not actually racing. That's just testing or driving. I, I'm we not do familiar with the, Ludnam Racetrack. Whereabouts is that? It's out at Ludnam. It's a privately owned facility. Okay. Uh, it's, it's not a super big track, but it's really good for what we do. And we do a lot of the... Uh, children's hospital events and that sort of stuff in the cup car. Mm-hmm. So we take kids for rides and all that kind of stuff out there. Yeah, sure. So we probably do more of that stuff now than racing only because there is no racing at the moment, you know? Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah okay. Mm-hmm. Here in uh, yeah. WA, the um, VSCC, Fiji Sports Car yep. Association over here, they um, they host the, all the historic style racing over here. And we have, I think, maybe three events still a year. That are around the houses events, their regularities in the country towns. Yes. Yep. Just out of Perth. Right. You know, and yeah, it's, um, uh, there's a one three five six that's regularly raced in those events yep. over here. But um, it's a great event if you're a classic car enthusiast because you're yep. seeing these cars driven the way they were intended when designed. You know, I always find it very entertaining seeing you know cars like three five sixes racing against GT Falcons and 
yeah, it's just everything. And, and because it's a regularity, everyone's spaced out enough that yes, you, know, yeah. you don't have people trying to crash themselves into each other. Might be something that we need to do then, come over and do one of those events. Maybe. Once the borders, or if the borders are ever opened up again. Yeah, the, uh, yeah it's, they're, they're pretty fussy about who they let into this state in the last 12 months or so. But it's understandable, mate. It's just the new world order, unfortunately, just the new way that we've got to live, you know. It's hard to plan, though. It's hard to make plans. Oh, bloody earth. It's, it's literally, well, we just cancelled yesterday for the Wakefield race at the end of August because it ain't going to happen. We just cancelled our accommodation. You know what I mean? Like, it's not going to happen then. So. Yeah, I was, I'd, I'd booked and paid for and done everything to, for the um, Melbourne F1. I was going to do some... I, Yep. Plan on doing some uh, work with one of the Carrera Cup teams. Yes. For the weekend. And yeah, that was unfortunately didn't, didn't, you know, it's been cancelled now, that event. But, um, but I do have family in Melbourne, so we'll still go and yep. I'll go and catch up. But going to Melbourne when you're a Porsche enthusiast is pretty exciting anyway, just because of the sheer number of them and the, yeah. you know, the. Well, Melbourne is more or less the car capital of Australia, you could say. When it comes to hotted up cars and that sort of stuff, there's a, a, a much better car culture in Melbourne than there is in most of the other states, I think. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree. Especially, you know, if you're a Porsche enthusiast, the um, support from second secondary industry around Melbourne is just extraordinary, yep. you know, from yep. upholstery through to engines, through to suspension, through to panel work, whatever, you know, it's all, yep. you can get it all done in one town. Yeah, yeah, There's and there's a lot of... Um, good shops down there, like a lot of good quality tradespeople out of Melbourne. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you're right there. It really is the best place to go, with unfortunately. Regard, <laughs> with regards to the um, to all the uh, race-focused work that you do, do you, have you done much in the workshop with concourse-style preparation for customers? Yeah. Yeah, we've, we've won a – my car's won Rensport concourse – the coupe just won the concourse in America against all the Americans in the race section, the special mm-hmm. interest section. Um, we also won Carmel by the Sea, which was a race one. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, we've we've won quite a few concourses with the cars that we've done for customers. Yeah, sure, sure. So the um, not that I've I've never heard anyone saying otherwise, but you must uh, have a pretty good team there that's actually on the panels and on the paint. Absolutely. All my guys are really, really, really good. They've been with me a long time. I don't. I think the shortest guy is about four years. Yep. And other guys like twenty years that have been with me. Sure. Uh, I, I still do the work myself. Yeah, I've been okay. here today putting together a three fifty six engine, which is only going to be a display engine. We just had it all blasted and painted up and that, so it's just going to go up on display. So I've been doing that today. Yeah, like, that's Mate, my. He's going to put the barrels and heads on. You'll be fine. Don't need anything inside. That's, no, we had to put the crank in so I could put the flywheel on. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Classic. I just tell people I'm an engine builder now, yeah? <laughs> Don't start it. I'm an engine builder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I've already sent mine across on a pallet, Ron. Can you sort it out for me? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> you don't want me to do it. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think it's quite important to know your limitations when it comes to um, motor cars. Absolutely. Everybody's got their profession or something yeah and gary that does my engines mate he's just a whiz at them you know and from with your um like monorail's on next week or the week after i believe uh august 8th yeah yeah okay so, yeah two weeks away yeah bit of a shame not to get there this year oh mate and the amount of um messages like emails and sms stuff are you coming to car week are you coming to car week 
No, no, no. We're even supposed, we're planning on taking the radial engine car to SEMA this year uh, and to um, Chattanooga Motor Fair. They wanted it there as well, but just can't talk, mate. Yeah, you know, sure. People said we can get to SEMA, but what's the use? You know, like how stupid would you have to be to go over there at the moment? You know, like anyway, I'll just wait in a couple of years, hopefully go again. If not, we'll just be stuck here racing in Australia. Yeah, so. there, are wor- there are worse places to be. Absolutely, absolutely, mate. Truly excitement there is over there. All right then, mate. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to have a chat with me today. And it's been fascinating. And I know everyone's time's precious. And I really appreciate you giving giving it to me and to the listeners today. It's, you know, really delightful, you know. Mate, it's been an absolute honor, trust me. Like for you to even reach out to me when you did, it was like, wow, that's really, really humbling. And and mate, yeah, to, to the Australian people all together, we need to stay together more. You know what I mean? Like sure. it's just a I was watching today, um, apparently there's a heap of people protesting against lockdown you know, when we're right in the middle of a bloody pandemic. You know, like, I don't know. Anyway, who, he's getting who, political. I, look, yeah, I, I, I've, I've got quite firm ideas on every aspect of that, but I don't think um, I'm not going to use my for, my uh, podcast here as a forum just because I want to. Yeah, good idea. I, I like, good I like idea. to keep uh, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, don't, don't play that part then, mate. Don't do the end again. No, all good. So, anyway, enjoy the rest of your weekend, mate, and um, hope you get some time at home. Yeah, I'll finish putting this engine together first. <laughs> okay, then. Good one. Send us a picture of it. I want to see what it looks like under the coffee table. I'll do that. No, it'll go up on a stand. We're making yeah. the back of a car for it to sit in there, so. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, see good one. Great. Okay, have a no great worries, day. Mate. Thanks very much for your time, Ron. No worries at all, buddy. Thank you. See you, mate.